Well, good morning. That is one of our Vacation Bible School songs that we'll be doing this week. You'll hear another uh, right before the message. But I want to welcome those of you who are with us this morning, especially those who are watching online, uh, maybe for the first time there. I encourage you on Facebook. You can uh, share to heart to like the post there. Uh, same thing on Twitter. Uh, both of those are on HBC Tullahoma on those uh, social media uh, platforms there. YouTube is Highland Baptist Tullahoma. Uh, be sure to subscribe there. Click the notification bell. Uh, that way you'll get those notifications every time we go live. And then our phone live streaming, if you need that number, call our church office at 931-455-0645 and we'll be glad to get that to you. Uh, while you're there uh, online, you can go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, it's under the info tab there uh, that you can uh, download our worship bulletin. So be sure to go ahead and get that done. If you need that in person uh, and didn't get one when you came in the door, be sure to uh, raise your hand. The ushers will be glad to give you one, or you can get one out of either one of the windowsills uh, here at any time during the service. Uh, we also have children's worship bulletins that go along with the message uh, this morning. That song that you heard there uh, goes along with our message this morning. And while you're there on the info tab, you can also download the prayer list. So be sure to take the time to do that. If you need one of the prayer lists in person, they're out here on the table in the foyer across uh, in the hallway out uh, in front of the offices there. Uh, but glad to have everybody that's here. We had a great time yesterday kicking off for Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School begins uh, tomorrow and we'll say more about that in just a little while. Uh, but glad to have everybody that's here this morning. Hope you've recovered from yesterday. Uh, Brother Mike, if you will come and lead us in our first song. Good morning all. Since we have no choir behind me today, they're out there, I want to hear you sing this direction today. It makes a big difference when, when the choir is not behind. I, it makes a big difference. So anyway, join us in song today by taking your hymnals and let's sing hymn 600, More About Jesus. And let's stand on this one. Miss Pat.
Amen. If you'll notice in your bulletin as we come to our missionary moment, uh, this is a very unique uh, missionary opportunity that some of our missionaries are doing, uh, Joe Brewster and his family, uh, to the American peoples in Peru. Uh, they are helping <coughs> the indigenous people there. Uh, they have actually created a fish farm. Uh, and so I'd encourage you to read all about that. They've constructed nine working fish ponds with plans to build more. Uh, some of that will help the, the indigenous people there to be able to sustain uh, the local efforts there with the missions and, and the goal of reaching people for Christ uh, throughout Peru and even Brazil. And so be in prayer for our missionaries, Joe Brewster and his family. And then we also want to emphasize in our prayer time this morning, our vacation Bible school. So if you're one of our volunteers helping with Vacation Bible School this week. Would you just please stand uh, right where you are? Take a look around, those of you who are not standing. And we want to encourage you to just pray for those individuals uh, also this morning as we pray for our missionaries. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for each one of these who are standing and, and Lord, for all of our missionaries. We pray, God, that you will bless the mission work there in Peru as they continue to share the gospel with the indigenous people there. Thank you for uh, the blessing of them looking outside the box of ways to reach out to people, to share the gospel with them, and also to provide a way to help them to sustain uh, the ministry uh, there through the, through the fish ponds that they've uh, created there. Lord, I just pray that you will continue to uh, help them to grow in their their faith in Christ, continue to provide opportunities for them to share the gospel. And be with each one of these who have stood this morning that are going to be working with our Vacation Bible School uh, this week. Father, we just ask your blessings upon each person. We ask, Lord, for you to wrap them in your loving arms, give them wisdom, give them discernment, give them guidance uh, as they teach our kids this week, as they are, are instrumental in whatever way that they are serving this week to minister to the families. And we just pray, God, that this will be a great week of seeing uh, souls saved, seeing families reached for Christ. And we just ask, Lord, that you will be glorified and honored uh, through all that we do in Vacation Bible School this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing and you can be seated. Uh, while we're there on Vacation Bible School, let me just encourage you uh, to, if you've not pre-registered, please go ahead and do that. Uh, you can pull your phone out and scan this QR code that's on the screen. If you're at home, you can do that also. Uh, any smartphone will do that. If it's not a smartphone, sorry, Johnny. <laughs> It won't work. <laughs> He's already told me that. <laughs> so, uh, be sure, though, to scan that QR code or go to our church website, go to our Facebook page, any one of those. You'll find that there. Be sure to go ahead and pre-register, uh, and that way uh, we can. it'll make the process run a lot smoother and quicker when you come for Vacation Bible School uh, tomorrow. Do keep Vacation Bible School in your prayers all throughout this week, praying for the workers, praying for the children, praying for those families, uh, and keep uplifting them in prayer. Uh, also, if you're there on our church website, we want to encourage you to go to uh, our to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab there. Uh, you can do your online giving there. Encourage you to take the time to do that. If you're here in person, we have offering envelopes in the pews in front of you, and you can bring those and put those uh, in the offering plates down here at the front or at the doors uh, as you leave. So uh, glad to have everybody here again, and we're looking forward to an exciting week of Vacation Bible School. Brother Mike, come and lead us. Take your hymnals again and turn to 597 as we sing in unison, Here Am I, Send Me, number 597. Ms. Pat? 
Children's Church will be meeting during this next song over on the piano side. I want to remind you of that. Also, if you would stand now and take your hymnals, uh, those that desire to use the hymnals, and turn to 604. Come all Christians, be committed. Ladies. As a gift to me and you Only one has ever died And rose again back to life For me and you Only one could ever face the cross Only one could ever save the lost
Another one of our Vacation Bible School songs that our kids will be learning uh, this week. Let me just encourage you, if you are one of those volunteers and you have not gotten your background check and stuff done, please uh, call the church office tomorrow and we'll get that link sent to you so you can get everything completed there. Uh, Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 through verse 42. I've entitled the message this morning, The Commission. And that goes right along uh, with, this is just, I'm trying to go chronologically as best we can uh, through the Gospels. And this came up for this Sunday and it worked out great with Vacation Bible School beginning as we are in a way commissioning you as Vacation Bible School workers, commissioning others to, to the ministry that God has called us to. And so Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 is where we're going to begin. If you would, let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word. And if you're at home, would you please do that also? And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for the message that we've heard in song this morning, uh, through all the songs that we have sang as a congregation, the special music. Uh, Father, I thank you for what you're preparing to do in our hearts this week uh, in doing exactly what the disciples were called to do, to share the gospel with those around us. But Lord, I pray that we would not just do that just during vacation Bible school, but that we would do that all throughout the year. And and Lord, that as people come to faith in Christ, may we walk alongside them and and decide disciple them in the faith and to help them to grow in their walk with you, that they might be faithful, committed followers of Jesus Christ. So bless your word this morning as it goes forth. Help us, Lord, to hear and to see your voice speaking to us, to know, Lord, that if we're here this morning and we don't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, uh, may today be the day of salvation for us. Uh, And Lord, if, if we're here and we already know Christ, may we sense and feel your call to whatever ministry you are calling us to. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I wanted to start this morning by sharing with you a, uh, a story of William Carey and Adoniram Judson, more about Adoniram himself. They are considered some of the pioneers in, in the modern missions movement. Uh, these converted Baptist missionaries, they were previously congregationalists, were and continue to be used by God uh, in some extraordinary ways in the cause of global missions. Uh, however, their journey looked anything but successful on the outside. The intense suffering that they would endure on the mission field was foreshadowed in a letter that Adoniram Judson wrote to Anne Hasseltine, uh, her, her father, uh, asking for permission to marry his daughter. And so this is the following uh, from Adoniram's candid request. I want to read this to you. He said, I have now to ask, speaking to her father, whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world. Whether you can consent to her departure 
and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of missionary life. Whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with the crown of righteousness, brightened with the acclamations of praise, which shall redound to her Savior from heathen save through her means from eternal woe and despair. What a letter to receive. I wonder what you would think. How would we respond to such a request in a letter like that? You know what happened to them? I'll share the end of the story before we finish today. The reality is that all around us, there's a world that is suffering in the middle of sin and trials of various kinds. This world needs to hear the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. They need to know, as you read in the previous chapters here in Matthew, that Jesus has authority over sin, over sickness, over disease, over natural disasters, even death itself, and they need to hear the gospel so they can be saved. And so it is incumbent upon us to be spreading the gospel in whatever opportunities the Lord opens for us. You know, the good news is for everyone uh, that you work with, everybody that you live around, is for your neighborhood, is for the unreached people groups of the world. Uh, it's, it's for uh, your, it's, it's not that we just celebrate the good news, we're to live the good news and to spread uh, the good news in that way. And when we do, we have to realize that Jesus, uh, just like him, and, and he faced opposition, we will face opposition too. And so when you come to this passage here, where Jesus is calling these uh, disciples here, this passage ought to so grip our hearts uh, with the good news of Jesus uh, that, that students who are in school uh, would risk uh, their reputation at school, that brothers and sisters in Christ would risk their reputations even at work, that the church would throw aside any fear of what the world may say or, or do, that every one of us would give our our lives, uh, lose them if necessary, spreading the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere that we go. That is, after all, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And so before we look at chapter 10, I want to take you back to chapter 9. Go back to chapter 9 to the last few verses of chapter 9, because I want you to see chapter 10 in the context of where it is here in the scriptures. And first, I want you to see here Jesus's command. Jesus' command. Notice verse 35 down through verse 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. 
Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And so what we see here is that Jesus mentions two main things here that we ought to do with urgency as believers, as disciples of Jesus Christ. First, in the light of the fact that so many people are separated from God, notice what Jesus calls us to do. He calls us to pray. He calls us to pray, as you see there in verse 38. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, look at that harvest that's out there. Now go get them, boys. What's he say? He says, first pray. That means that as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as a follower of Christ, I need to be growing in my relationship with him. I need to be spending time in his word. You know, it's not enough for any of us to just come to faith in Christ, and now I've got my ticket and I'm going to heaven, and I can just sit back in comfort and not have to do anything else. What we find in the scripture is that we are to be growing, we are to be being discipled ourselves, discipled by more faithful believers, uh, to follow more faithfully in our walk with Christ. And as a part of that, before we ever go to share the gospel, before you ever go to talk to your friends or your neighbor or your friends at school, uh, I want to encourage you to do what Jesus tells his disciples to do, pray. Now Jesus is eventually going to get to the go part. But first what we see here is that we have to be on our knees praying and asking and pleading with God to send out God-called workers. And that's precisely what we ought to be doing as we send people out regularly into this dark world to proclaim the gospel. We ought to actually pray for people to leave the church. Now that sounds crazy coming from a preacher. <laughs> But that's exactly what we're to be doing. God loves to answer prayers like this. I have a friend in West Tennessee who pastors a large church there, and he was giving a call as God had laid on their heart to, to start a church plant and uh, about 20 miles out from where their church is. And when he gave that call for his church to anybody who would go from their church to be that, that core group to help start uh, that church plant, his greatest fear was realized when his wife came forward. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to do that this morning because I'm not wanting my wife to come forward. I'm glad where we're at and God is using us here in a great and mighty way. But know this, our churches ought to be platforms of sending out believers to, to share the gospel, whether that's on mission trips or, or whether that's here locally like through Vacation Bible School or, or whether that's to send people to the farthest reaches of this earth. There have been people that God has called from this church before to go, and I believe God is still calling people to go and to share the gospel. But know this, you can share right here where you are. You know, many believers don't even consider the possibility that God could call them to proclaim the gospel in another location. You know, or, or if they do, they often have, have such a distorted view of what such a call would look like. Jim Elliott, who was the great missionary martyr of the Aka Indians of Peru, he, he once lamented the fact that so few were willing to go to the mission field in his own day. And here's what he said. He said, our young men are going into other fields because they don't feel called to the mission field. He said, we don't need a call. We need a kick in the pants. And that's exactly what we need. As followers of Christ, our very lives 
need to be on the table. That we say, Lord, I am willing to do whatever you would have me to do wherever you would have me to go. And so wherever he says to go, we're to go. None of us is intended simply to just coast through life until we get to heaven. And so when we pray, know this, that God will send us out in different ways to different places. For some, that just may be simply in your workplace. For others, that may be from your home. It may be being able to pick up the phone or or write a card to people to encourage them to faith in Christ. Or just talking to your neighbor. How about that novel idea? Uh, Much less going around the world to somewhere else, but still for others... That may mean that God is calling you to go and to share the gospel with some unreached people group that's never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what Jesus tells us, like he told his disciples here first, he pleads with us to pray to the Lord of the harvest for the goal of spreading the gospel around the whole world. As the first part of Christ's commission, we're called to pray. But then I want you to see it doesn't just stop there. I want to encourage you, being praying faithfully every day, praying for our missionaries who have answered the call. Maybe you're not able to go physically, but you pray for those who have gone, and you support those who have gone, and you do what you can here as the Lord opens those opportunities. But I want you to notice Jesus' call in verse 1 through verse 4 of chapter 10. So in verse 1, Jesus calls these 12 disciples to himself. And the language that Matthew uses of calling could be compared to a military commander calling the soldiers to gather together to give them orders. And when the military commander speaks, if you're in the army, you, you listen. If you're in the military, you listen up and your ears perk up and you do what the commander tells you to do. And that's what <coughs> these individuals <coughs> were doing. And so these disciples know this. They had been called earlier to be fishers of men, and each one had been called in his own special way from his own unique environment. And so Jesus is now calling these disciples, these apostles, to go forth in the fulfillment of that first call. And so notice they were called to him. Uh, there are three steps in the call of the disciple uh, to, the, to, the, to ministry. Uh, there's the discipleship call, and that's what we see happened in their lives to begin with. They had heard about Jesus, and so they went to go listen to Jesus. They had heard about miracles uh, that he was doing, and they, became, they came and listened to him. They saw what he was doing, and they began to follow him just like many others did. Now, you'll remember in the descriptions there, the multitudes, many of the multitudes who followed him were called disciples. But notice here that we see also the commitment call. There were multitudes of people who followed Christ, but he noticed an unusual commitment with these 12 men. At this point, he called them to ministry, to leave everything they had and to, be, to begin a, a period of, of, of discipleship, if you will, of, of being trained to go and preach the gospel and teach the gospel. Luke chapter 6 verse 13 says that Jesus called these disciples to him and from among the many whom he called, he chose 12 whom he also named apostles. And so we see also the commissioning call because Christ commissions them here to go forth with the message of salvation. Notice in this commissioning in verse 1, they were given power and authority. 
they were given the power to, to heal and to cast out demons. And, and they were given, and that was given to prove that Jesus truly was the Son of God. Uh, they were given that same authority, that same power that he had because uh, they were being sent in his name. They were proclaiming his message to be true and they were proving it by the power that had been given to them. The major thing about miracles, uh, what it teaches here, is that God truly loves and cares for us here and now physically. In other words, his care isn't just for somewhere off out there in the future. His care and his love is for you here right now. And, and, and so uh, his deliverance is here even. And, and his servants, uh, a servant's power, know this, comes from the master. The believer's authority comes from the Lord. Notice they were 12 in number. Notice verse 2. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now, if you'll notice something unique in this part that Matthew tells us, he, he lists them in groups of two. Uh, he puts them in pairs here uh, of two. Uh, notice uh, that Jesus taught some things to the multitudes. And then he taught more to a much smaller number, to people like Mary and Martha and Lazarus and others. But finally, he taught everything to this small band of men, these 12 apostles. We might say he taught everything he could to this small band of disciples who were to carry on his life's work. And as a church, as, as followers of Christ, we ought to be following that method that Jesus followed. The method of, of making disciples out of a few while ministering to the many. Think about this. What would happen if every Christian who's in this building this morning discipled just 12 individuals in your lifetime? What if you committed, Lord, I want to lead 12 people to faith in Christ or at the very least to help disciple 12 who will carry on in some kind of ministry for you. How long would it take to reach the world with the gospel? That's what Jesus was doing here and showing us by example what we ought to be doing. Notice they were made apostles. They were made disciples. A disciple is a learner who follows a teacher and learns his wisdom. And Jesus had many disciples, some of whom were just barely hanging on and some who were truly converted. And, and from that large group of followers, Jesus selects a small group of 12 individuals that he calls to be apostles. Now, that word in the Greek is apostolo, which means to send forth with a commission. It was a word that was used uh, of personal representatives of a king, as, as ambassadors, if you will, who functioned with the king's authority. 
And so, in essence, what he's saying, you know, just like Jesus uh, would talk about uh, the lamp being shining, he says that to make light of the king's uh, envoy was to be in danger of insubordination and to make certain qualifications, you had to meet certain qualifications to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, They had to be a person who had seen the risen Christ, someone who had fellowshiped with him. Uh, They had to be chosen by the Lord. Uh, Now, understand this. We may not be apostles today because we haven't seen the Lord face to face, but nevertheless, we have been chosen by him to go and do the very same thing they've been called to do, to share the gospel with those around us. And then notice again that they were organized two by two. Jesus seems to arrange them here two by two. What that tells us is we need each other. There are no lone rangers in the faith of Christ. Every lone ranger needs a tonto. We need that individuals who can walk alongside us. We need fellowship with one another to be in the ministry together. We need to go forward together at least two by two. We need each other. Notice also not only Jesus' call, notice his commission as we see in the rest of this chapter. As we step back and and we take a look at the picture of Matthew chapter 10, you begin to see what does Jesus' call to go actually look like. So I want you to see the commission to go in verse 5 through verse 7 as Jesus sent forth his disciples commanding them. Notice verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out instructing them Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans. So Jesus sends out these disciples and he commands them to do that. Notice that Jesus doesn't send forth every disciple who was following him. He sent out these 12. Uh, Only a few were chosen to be these special messengers proclaiming the gospel, ministering to the world. Everyone... All those disciples were to be a witness, witnessing for the Lord, uh, whether it was in their work or, or in their other daily activities. But Jesus had called and commissioned these 12 to go. Notice where he tells them to go first. He tells them to go to Israel first, to go to the Jews first. Notice verse 6. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And what he's saying there is, don't go to the lost of this world first, but go to the lost uh, of the family here, of the chosen ones of the nation of Israel, which for us, when we see it in the Great Commission, uh, we're to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The Jerusalem is this part that he's talking about here, that we're to start with our own house, with our own home, with our own family. Let me tell you this, your greatest ministry... Your greatest harvest field is right there in your home. If you're parents, it's in your home with your children. If you're grandparents, it's with your grandchildren. Do everything you can to make a difference in their lives, to to show Christ to them, to talk about Christ to them, to share the good news of the gospel with them, that they too would be followers of Jesus Christ. The offer of salvation here was to go to the Israelites first. And and now we see for us is to be offered to the whole world. We're to go to our own house first. If we don't love those of our own household, how can we love those who we don't know? Notice also that we're to preach, to preach uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice verse 7. Verse 7 says, and proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
And so know this, the disciples, they weren't just to pull something out of thin air and to talk about that. They, weren't to, they were to talk about this message, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It wasn't their own ideas or the ideas of others. They were to preach the message that was given to them by the Lord. And no matter what the generation is, the message has always been the same, that God loves you and he sent his only begotten son to down the cross for you to make your relationship right with him again because of sin that has entered into our lives and that you can live with him forever and ever in heaven. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's the message we need to be preaching. But then also notice the call to go to great need. This is what we see in verse 8 down through verse 20. So let's read some verses here. Verse 8 says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics of sandals or a staff for the labor deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And here we go with the rest of the gospel, the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And so notice in verse 8, he calls us and called these disciples to go to the most unlikely groups of people. He called them to go to the diseased. Uh, our mission isn't to the healthy, it's to the sick. He called them to go to the dying. Jesus says, go and raise the dead. He said, go to the despised. In other words, cleanse those who have leprosy. Go to those who are unclean. And then fourthly, go to the dirty. The disciples were commanded to go to those who were demon-possessed, the people most tainted by sin. In essence, Jesus was telling his disciples to go to the people that the world ignored. To go to the people that the world oppressed. I want to tell you, so often we are failing in our mission because we're not going to these people. The result is that when we do that, we will grow in our faith. And because as we go to the needy, we'll learn to trust the provisions of God. That's what verse 9 and verse 10 is talking about. So as they would go out to the needy, the disciples would find that Jesus is sufficient for all of their needs. That's why they're told not to take all of these different things with them. Trust God and he will provide for you to be able to go. And so as we go, know this, that the Lord will meet whatever needs you have as you go along the way. Not only do followers of Jesus go to the places of greatest need, he tells us that they go to the places even of great danger. 
Notice verse 11 through verse 16 again there. That phrase, a sheep among wolves. He says, I'm sending you like a sheep amongst wolves in verse 16. That shows the responsibility of the shepherd to protect the sheep from the wolves. But notice Jesus, the good shepherd, he's telling them to go even where the wolves are. He's, he's telling them to, to be as foolish as sheep are. If you've ever known anything about sheep, sheep are some of the most helpless and even foolish of all the domesticated animals. Uh, harmless noises can send sheep into a, a frenzy. And, and when they face danger, uh, they've got no defenses. All a sheep can do is run, and a sheep is slow when they run. That's why one of the dumbest things that a sheep can do is go wandering off into a pack of wolves. And yet Jesus says, that's exactly what I want you to do as my sheep. In these verses, Jesus tells these 12 disciples, and by implication, he tells us to go into the dangerous places where sometimes you're going to find yourselves amongst evil and amongst terrible people because know this when you go the devil's going to throw everything he can including the kitchen sink and even more at you to stop you from going to to cause fear within your heart even but no uh, when you go you will be there by his design you know we often think if something isn't safe it must not be of god if it's uh, dangerous and uh, or risky if it may cause harm maybe that's not in god's will for me to do but those aren't the criteria by which we determine what god's will is for us as we go like sheep among wolves people may think that you're foolish and clueless countless missionaries have gone to places in this world that I know from discussions I've had with some and that maybe you've even talked with some that their families thought, why in the world are you going there? I remember our daughter was about 16, 15, 16. Uh, when she uh, quit gymnastics, she had done gymnastics for about five or six years, had competed all across North Carolina in state competitions, and she just felt a burden to, to leave that. I don't usually use my family in illustrations, but this one uh, pertains here. And she quit. She, she, it was just blew us away because she was so committed to gymnastics. And she felt in her heart, I want to do what God is calling me to do, to serve in missions. And she was always missing out on those opportunities because a lot of her events were during those summer months when church would go on mission trips. We were supporting of that. But then she came to us one day and told us she wanted to go with an world, international world changers group that we had no one from our church going on to go with an international world changers group to Africa. And we thought, whoa, whoa where did that come from? And that's what we see here. You know, he calls us sometimes to go to the most dangerous places. Now, let me tell you this. She didn't go to Africa to be a missionary there, but she's right now in New York City. So you, you put the two together and figure out which one's more dangerous. <laughs> Jesus said as we go, we need to depend on him. And knowing that there will be places that he calls us to, that are dangerous, but know that when you go, you will never, ever be alone. If we follow the Lord and we spread the gospel, he's always with us. And he always gives us 
everything that we need to stand and to speak and to proclaim the good news. And that's where the presence of the Lord is most powerful. You know, we live in our world that we live in here in a presumptive safety in this world. Being surrounded by the comforts that we live in here in Western civilization. But when you go to danger, when you're a sheep in the middle of woods, wolves, you need his presence and you need his power more than anything else. And that's what he's telling his disciples. I'm sending you out there, but I'm not sending you out there by yourself. I'm going to be with you. I want you to see some of the challenges of going. Notice what he says in verse 21. He says in verse 21, brother will deliver, bro- deliver brother over to death and, his, and the father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. Jesus tells us that you'll be betrayed. Now that concept that we read there in the scripture is foreign to us, but that happens in places all around this world. It may be shocking to hear, but if you follow Jesus, you'll almost certainly be misunderstood. And the people you least suspect may be those individuals, even your family members, who may turn on you. You'll be betrayed. You'll also be hated. Verse 22 says... You'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And so in that verse, that that word all men there obviously doesn't mean every person on the planet because there will be many who will come to faith in Christ. But whether it's your family or whether it's the government or whether it's some religious establishment, Jesus says you will be hated if you obey what I've called you to do. People simply won't like when you talk about Jesus. But why will they hate you? Because the world hated Jesus and our lives are identified with him. So when we go into the world and we do good deeds and help others and we don't say anything about Jesus, the world's fine with that. But when you start going out to help others and to minister to others and you tell them why you're there, the world doesn't always like that. We will be betrayed. We will be hated. And we will be persecuted. That's what verse 23 down through verse 25 says. And when they persecute you, notice what he doesn't say, if they persecute. It says, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his own household? This is one of the places in the passage, in the passages in the scripture that tells us that these instructions weren't just for his disciples at this particular time because he says when they persecute you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly, a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so that warning doesn't mean that we seek persecution. It doesn't mean that we foolishly or or heroically pursue danger. We don't seek to be hated. Instead, we seek Jesus and we seek to live more like him and to proclaim the good news, knowing that when we do that, opposition will come. And the Bible's telling us there, if Jesus was persecuted, he's our teacher, he's our master, then why do we think we're above him? 
that we wouldn't be also. And so if you share the name of Jesus Christ, you're going to face all of those things that we've seen there. And people, as we saw here, people even called Jesus Beelzebub or Satan. So, so if your life is identified with him, they'll call you the same if you stand for Jesus. The reality that we have to face is this, is that the danger of our lives increases in proportion to the depth of our relationship with Jesus. Did you get that? The danger of our lives increases in proportion to the depth of our relationship with Jesus. If you want to avoid being betrayed and hated and persecuted, uh, then don't be like Jesus. We're so prone in our world today, especially here in America, to sit back and, and settle for our routines and, and be comfortable in our Christianity because it's safe. And the world likes us that way. As long as we live our lives like everybody else, going to church on Sunday, keep your faith to yourself, don't share that with anybody else, they're okay. So the question for us is, do you really want to be like Jesus? Notice fear will tempt you, as verse 26 says. So have no fear of them, Jesus says. For nothing is, is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Three times in those six verses, Jesus says, don't be afraid. When he commissions us to do the ministry that he's called us to do, to minister to people, uh, to share the gospel with people, even to disciple followers of Christ, know this, he's saying, don't be afraid. Fear is a real temptation, particularly when it comes to sharing the gospel. Whether we're in an area of the world that it, maybe it's illegal to share the gospel, or even when we're in an area of the world where we're free to speak about Jesus, we still have fear. And, and so uh, maybe that's our own workplace or school or, you know, fear is probably one of the biggest obstacles to obeying Christ. Uh, understand this, first as we face fear, we have to see uh, with an eternal perspective. We don't need to be afraid of this world because one day in the future, the sin and the evil of this world is going to be exposed, he says, and God's justice will prevail. You don't need to vindicate yourself, God will vindicate you. Instead of worrying about what the world says now, we ought to worry about what God will say in eternity, he's saying. And so we need to trust God. And then he says we, we need to speak with a holy boldness. Whatever God shows us in his word, that's what we're to speak. We're to proclaim his word from the housetops. That reminds us of, of, the, of the lamp Jesus talked about that we're to set on a, on a stand so, so it gives light to the whole room. We're to light our lamps, not put them under a basket. Uh, we're to let them shine. And so speak the truth of God wherever you go. And, and one of the other things we have to do is, if we want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in the face of fear is to be willing to sacrifice with a reckless abandonment. Notice what verse 28 said there. It gives us the reasoning behind such courage. Jesus knows we're going to be tempted in our lives to fear others and, and to be intimidated by what others could do. But it's not men that we need to fear. 
It's not this world we need to fear. God is the ultimate judge. Now, that may sound strange, a strange way to encourage disciples, essentially telling them, don't be afraid of people. The worst they could do is kill you. <laughs> the only way that can sound comforting is if you realize that you've already died. You've already died in Christ. Colossians 3, verse 3, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your focus has to be on eternal things. It's been said that saints of old feared man so little because they feared God so much. But notice the character of going. Trust Him completely. Trust Him completely. Verse 29 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from who? The Father. The Father. See, sometimes we let fear keep us from going uh, on the mission field. Sometimes we let fear keep us from talking to our neighbor or talking to that friend at school. Uh, know this, that if God is in control of the smallest sparrow falling to the ground, you can also be comforted to know that he knows you completely. He will care for you completely. He even knows every hair on your head or the lack of for some of us. God knows every detail of your life more than you know yourself. And he loves you deeply. And so there's no reason to fear because he's going to take care of you. Trust him completely. Confess him publicly. That's what verse 32 goes on to say. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Jesus talks about the importance uh, uh, and the cost of identifying with him. To confess means to affirm. It means to agree, to identify with Jesus Christ. When we follow Jesus we're not to just sit back in silence. We're to make it known to others that we belong to him. Let me ask you this. What about you? Do others around you in your circles of influence, do they know that you know Jesus? Or do you keep that to yourself and never tell anybody? Love him supremely. That's what verse 34 goes on to talk about and on down. Uh, it says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set man against father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies uh, will be those of his own household. He's talking about those uh, enemies, those who will persecute us, those who will uh, betray us. Uh, he's talking about all those. And then you come down to verse 37. And he says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And so Jesus is telling us here to love him more than anything else in this world. More than even your own family. Love Jesus more than anything else. Because all those other loves, they're temporary. But loving Jesus is for eternity. And then he says, take the ultimate risk in verse 39. He says, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Pick up your cross, follow Jesus, and be willing to give it all. Notice in these last verses here that Jesus' commission here isn't a call to gloom and doom. In fact, we find the ultimate reward in following him. He says, for whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. 
The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he's a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Take the ultimate risk. And when you do, God will reward you. What's the rest of that story I told you at the beginning? Remember that request that Adam and Ira made to Ann's dad? Gratefully, Ann's dad said yes. And they were married. And about a year later, a little more than 200 years ago, Adoniram and Ann Judson boarded a ship, set sail for India on a journey that would eventually lead them to Burma, modern-day Myanmar. Ann's dad would never see his daughter or his son-in-law again. In fact, Ann would lose her life sharing the gospel with people who had never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. But as a result of their faithfulness to be willing to follow Christ to the ends of the earth, as a result of their service, today there are over 4,000 Baptist churches there with more than a half million followers of Jesus Christ in the heart of Buddhist Burma, Myanmar. Now that story may seem unusual to us, but in light of what we've read here in Matthew's gospel in chapter 10, wherever he says to go, we're to be willing to go. Our prayer ought to be twofold. God, give us the spiritual awareness to see people as they are, to see the lost condition of people around us. And Lord, give us the ability to step forward with a sacrificial obedience to follow you and go where you tell us to go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for those who have heard that call and who have answered that call to go wherever it meant to go. Father, some have placed their lives in danger. Some, by going into the places that they went to, were dangerous places. Some people, as we heard about Anne and even Adoniram later, lost their lives sharing the gospel. There have been countless others throughout the history of the church, even to the present day, who have answered that call knowing it could cost them everything. And they were willing to go. And yet sometimes, Lord, we're not even willing to talk to our friend at work or our friend at school or our neighbor across the street or next to the house. Father, I pray that you will begin to work in our hearts and our lives to bring us to this place that you called these 12 disciples to go out and to share the good news of the gospel. Help us, Lord, to answer that call, to be willing to lay it all on the line, to say, here I am, Lord. Wherever you want to send me, send me. Wherever you want me to go, to whoever you want me to go, to do whatever you want me to do, even if it's something out of my comfort zone, help me, Lord, to be willing to do that. If that's here in Tullahoma or somewhere across Tennessee or even somewhere to the farthest reaches of this earth, help me to answer your call and to be willing to go. Lord, may your will be done in this invitation, but Lord, we know it begins with that first step of answering the call to salvation. So help those, Lord, who are here this morning who need to do that, to call out to Christ and to say, Dear God, 
I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, was buried in the tomb and arose on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart and life and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Lord, if you're calling someone like that this morning, may they come forward this morning to publicly profess faith in Christ. Others, Lord, to come and to answer that call to the mission field. Others to, to serve us uh, right here in our own communities. Whatever it may be, Lord, help us to answer your call and to follow you, to be willing to be disciples of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, I surrender all. Would you do that this morning as you make your way and come?
have just a few to bring before you today. First off, I've got Miss Rima on my list. I just briefly want to remind you of mission opportunities that we have. Um, if you've been collecting your change in your baby bottles, we have still a couple of weeks left uh, to put those change and the bills in there for our Life Pregnancy Choices Center. Uh, we have two empty bottles up here if anybody wants to take those two today. We'll ask that you try and bring them back on Father's Day so that we can present them and uh, our donations to the Pregnancy Center. Secondly, uh, in your bulletin day, I hope you will take notice of the list that we are collecting throughout the month of June for River Bend Ranch. We formerly known it as um, Arrowhead Ranch, but they have changed their name, but their ministry still stays the same. We ask that you, if you're out shopping this week, that you would take this list and pick up a few of those things. We have a donation box uh, out in our office area. And then thirdly, we're still in need of some volunteers uh, that would give a couple of hours on Friday mornings at our ministry center from 9.30 to 11.30. We have slots opened for the ending parts of June, and we're needing those to consider for the month of July as well. So we have a sign-up list outside the pastor's office if you're ready to do that. We'd appreciate it. Thanks. want to make mention based on what brother Jim just handed me uh, on our prayer list uh, was James Harvey he's been in hospice that's Terry Stone's stepfather he passed away this week so remember that family also uh, uh, Ashley Simmons uh, has also passed away and what's Paco Paco's brother okay so uh, mother Okay. Ashley doesn't ring a bell. Okay. Ashley Simmons passed away as Paco's brother. Okay. Remember that family. Also wanted to have uh, been asked to bring notice to the display right here that uh, Donna Jackson put that together and, and to give you a thank you for this, this display right here. Appreciate it, Miss Donna. And there were there are many things going on in the church with v VBS, so you may want to walk around and look at that during this week sometimes if you're here. Uh, also... Uh, Brother Matt gave me a list, and uh, we still need help with VBS workers for Thursday and Friday. Need meals, excuse me, for VBS workers for Thursday and Friday. And if you would like to help with that, to let Amanda or Matt know, we have Monday night, Bobby's class will be uh, feeding the group. Tuesday night, Dwayne's class. Wednesday night, Mark Smith's class. So uh, pray about it, and if you feel led, we need, need uh, Thursday and Friday. Yes, Brian. Yeah, we know. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Bobby's is second night. Dwayne's is the first night. So, okay. So Thursday night's covered. All right. That's good. Yeah, thank you, Brian, for keeping that straight, buddy. Uh, with that, if there's nothing else, I'd like to close us in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today, for your blessings, for the uh, leadership that you've given through Brother Jim and the words that's been shared and the lives that's been touched. Lord, the family that's becoming part of our family here 
and uh, we just thank you and praise you for that and lord i pray praise you for the those that are preparing and will be touching lives this week in vacation bible school lord just give them the words and may we all be an example to them that uh, that you would have us to be lord forgive us where we fall short we come back again we thank you this night lord just we'll talk again we love you in christ's name amen